We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tom Noy, our man from the South Bend Tribune. With that, I say, Tom, are you ready for some rapid fire? That's it? We're going right to rapid fire? We're going right to rapid fire. We got plenty more basketball topics in rapid fire as well. Yeah, but rapid fire is I give one answer and that's it. I don't get to Oh, you don't you don't have to keep them brief. You know, it's it's a little bit of a misnomer of a title sometimes. All right, yeah. Let rapid fire, let's rock. Let's do it, baby. Fill in the blank. Marcus Freeman's first year on the job has been blank. Understandable, I would say. Eight and four, first year head coach. Again, as good as Marcus Freeman was as a defensive coordinator and as hot of a name as Marcus Freeman was, it's different when you step into that role as a head coach. And I'm, it all, I always go back to, the first couple of days that Marcus Freeman was hired, when I think it, and it might have been even his introductory press conference at the Irish Athletic Facility that Monday, where he he was talking and he said, I looked at Jack Swarbrick and said, I, I, I'm looking forward to when everything settles down and everything gets back to normal. And my eyebrows raised and my antenna was up at that point. And I, I kind of thought, does he really think that life is going to be normal? If there's a anytime? normal around Notre Dame. <laughs> normal is over. Like if 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 he was expecting, and I think he was because he really didn't know what the job entailed. If he was expecting, like to just to go back to having a day like it was when he was a defensive coordinator, what you what you learn, and you learn this really quickly. And I think Marcus learned it even before mid January or early February. There is no such thing as a normal, everyday type of day when you're the head coach at the University of Notre Dame because no matter what time of year, no matter what what you're involved in, no matter what your calendar says that day, there's something that comes up every single minute of every single day when you're the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. And it's something where Marcus Freeman had to go through an 8-4 and four season. He had to lose to Marshall. He had to lose to Stanford. He had to bounce back and beat the likes of Brigham Young in North Carolina and Clemson to understand what this job is all about. And I know everybody wants it to be 12 and 0. I even picked this program to go 11 and 1 last year or this past season because of yeah. all the pieces they had coming back and the momentum that they had 
generated with Marcus's hiring. But you look back on it and you say, how can he lose those games? How can there, there's, there's no question that he had to lose those games because he's a first year head coach going through the trials and the tribulations and, and, and everything else that comes with being a first year head coach. Yep. I think it has been, it's obviously been a learning process. Just like you said, I, I think it's been rejuvenating though, as well, you know, just kind of, there were just like what we were talking about with Mike Bray, there were obviously people maybe who took some of the success under Brian Kelly for granted, but at the same time, they, they felt like there was a plateau and there was another level for this program to go to, you know, a new face on the product can, can sort of, you know, reinvigorate things. We've definitely seen that with the recruiting. Now there's a lot of hand wringing as we talked about earlier in the show <laughs> with what's going on specifically right now with recruiting, but that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just, it's a different kind of personality. Like I was talking the other day about how Marcus Freeman he does not he does not tap dance very much when he's asked questions. He does not word salad very much when he is asked questions, you know, as as some coaches are are prone to do, you know, which the former pro, uh, coach was was prone to do quite a bit, you know. He talks about straight shooting with the players and when you talk to some former players, I don't think they always felt like they were straight shot with. So I think that they, you know, these these current guys appreciate that. I think the fans appreciate it but just piggybacking on what you're saying because of the learning process and the lumps that he took now he's learned he's learned a lot I think in this first year and he's been able to adapt relatively quickly after you know taking some of those lumps on the run you know like after Stanford they you know the run the the five straight wins that they rattled off after that the, the program I think could have completely imploded after that but I think due to him some player leadership as well but but due to him you know, keeping things up, I, I think they kept it going in the right direction. So I'm, this is, this is, you only get one free pass though. You know, like that's, that's the biggest part of this whole thing. You only get one free pass, eight and four, potentially nine and four is your free pass. It's, you know, just what you said, this is Notre Dame and, and the expectations are, are always going to be high and they're going to be sky high going into next season. Absolutely. As they should be. Nine right. and four, the eight and four, nine and four, eight and five, whatever it is, that's the starting point. That's going to be a starting point now for Marcus Freeman. All right, you've had your year. You understand how this whole thing works. Hit the ground running even quicker next season than you did this year and be better than eight and four. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's the one thing you want to see in the Gator Bowl, Tom? Uh, other than it to end. But that's, again, <laughs> that's, another t- that's another topic. I'm not... I'm not oh, one of those right. guys. I'm not that's one right. of those guys that's holding on and saying all bowls are good. I believe this is this is a meaningless. This is like a spring game. So we'll I'll set that aside for a minute and say what I really want to see is some whoever it is, some sort of development or some sort of consistency at the quarterback spot moving forward. Whoever is is it going to be Tyler Buckner? It should be Tyler Buckner. If it's not Tyler Buckner, if it's Steve Angeli, something out of the quarterback situation moving forward out of that game that gives you, that gives the fan base, that gives the media that cover them an idea that, okay, 2023 is going to be different from a quarterback perspective because of this. Maybe we see it in the in the Gator Bowl. If we don't see it from Tyler Buckner and we don't see it from Steve Angeli, you better see it from a transfer if yeah. you want to be better than eight and four. And that that is absolutely it. That is really the only thing that I'm looking for out of this is, is what happens at the quarterback. Because you know, because there are there are plenty of people who don't want Tyler Buckner playing in it in this game because their only impression of him is what they saw in those first two games. And they, you know, they they think that that's you know that the only Tyler Buckner that that they're ever going to get a chance to see. It's got to look different than those first two games. I think, you know, I think based on the way this the offensive line developed throughout the course of the season, the way the running game finally developed, that it can look a lot different. And that's, I'm curious to see with no Michael Mayer, when you add Tyler Buckner and or Steve Angeli, plus that offensive line and the running backs, I think the offense is going to look probably different than, you know, they're they're still going to try to run the football, but I think it's going to look different than what we've seen this season. But the quarterback, quarterback play, that's the one thing that will, you know, like that's that's really that's going to like because what I've said, the whole do you get momentum from bowl games going into the offseason? I don't buy into that, you know, and and you know, there's everyone's kind of got their own line of thinking on that. But think about it. Jack Cohn, Kevin Austin both played in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Neither one of them are on this team this year and that was a huge part of the fiesta bowl so how much could could that really affect things one way or the other and the quarterback what happens at the with the quarterback play is going to affect everyone's impression of both this coaching staff and that position basically until next september rolls around it's going to be very interesting moving as you move closer to kickoff of the gator bowl of just how how where is Tyler Buckner? Like, where is he health-wise? Where is he performance-wise? Because the the last thing I don't want to hear or don't want to see anything coming out of the Gator Bowl is Tyler Buckner did this, yeah, but. Like, we, we, true too. we, we, and I say we, like everybody that follows Notre Dame, we have to see something out of Tyler Buckner that tells you this is the quarterback in 2023. And here's yeah. why. Like he 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 could struggle in the second quarter. He could struggle in the second half. Who knows how they're going to divide up the snaps? But Tyler Buckner's got to come out of that Gator Bowl, however it unfolds, as a guy that you look at and say, This is a quarterback that you can win double digit games in 2020. That can be the guy. 
Yep. Gotta be. He's just gotta be. I agree. We got another uh, question from a listener that we'll go ahead and throw in here. Notre Dame men's basketball, Tom, do they have a legitimate shot to make the tournament this year? Let me just piggyback that with, I did an. I had an over under that I was going to ask over under nine and a half ACC wins for this team this year. So you can combine your answers there because I think that they 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 have to do with one another. Uh, over under uh, definitely they're going over nine and a half. But there's the but here. Yes, <laughs> they can win 12, 13, maybe fourteen league games. And still miss the NCAA tournament. Hmm. And this isn't, again, this isn't a Notre Dame specific issue, Sean. And the fans need to understand that where if Notre Dame gets left out of the NCAA tournament, yeah, Notre Dame's going to have some impact in that. But they're also going to get left out of the NCAA tournament because the ACC stinks. Yeah. Like Wake Forest went 13 and seven last year and didn't get into the NCAA tournament. Virginia won double digit league games and didn't get into the NCAA tournament. Notre Dame finished one game out of tying Duke for the ACC regular season championship and won a school record 15 league games, and they were a first four team. The ACC, as down and as bad as it was last year, is going going down that same road, which is why uh, I don't want to – I'll save that for when we talk basketball and more in the rapid fire, but the ACC, unless it gets its act together, it's going to, it's going to find itself back in the same position as it was last year to where you may only get four teams in. Like if the season ended today, it might only be Duke, Virginia, Virginia tech and Miami as the, as NCAA tournament teams, maybe Carolina because Carolina gets in because it's North Carolina. Notre Dame doesn't have that same cachet. Like last year, Notre Dame should have gotten in regardless and been a seven or eight, maybe even a nine seed after going 15 and five in the ACC, but instead goes to the first four. So yeah, Notre Dame has a legitimate chance of going to the NCAA tournament, but they also have a legitimate chance of missing the NCAA tournament while still winning 12 or 13 league games because the ACC is down. So Notre Dame's Notre Dame may miss the NCAA tournament this year. Number one, because they're not good enough. But number two, if they get their act together and they do win 12, 13 league games, they may still miss the NCAA tournament because the ACC stinks. Yeah. I mean, I agree more with that second part, the nine and a half wins. I just really struggle after watching this team. Like obviously if they can be the team that beat Michigan state every night, they can easily win over nine and a half, you know, and of course they play 20 games in ACC play, which is why the nine and a half, are they going to go at least 500 basically is the question. I have a hard time after watching that Syracuse and I realize Syracuse, you know, it's still Jim Bayheim and the two, three zone and all that stuff. But I have a hard time watching that game, thinking that this team and watching, you know, just the, 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 the lack of movement, the lack of assists, you know, like they, they have always been a program that shares the ball so well, and they don't seem like they're doing that this year. I have a hard time seeing them getting getting to 500 in the ACC this season based on what we've seen so far. Now, I realize there are some bad teams, you know, and there's some very winnable games out there, but 
the you know it's it's that top end that they play like they've got to play Carolina twice this year, right? You know, how good is Carolina? Well, I you know Carolina might not be Carolina standards, but I still think that they you know that that they're they're a lot better than than what we've seen from this team so far. Notre Dame did the same thing last year when they went to Boston College the day Marcus Freeman was in, was was True. announced as the head coach. True. They lost. They were down by twenty three. They never led to a team that was picked to finish last in the league, and so they started out zero and one. I remember them coming back from Boston, and I'm thinking, how in the world is this team going to win seven league games? Given what we saw, the performance against Boston College, they wound up winning fifteen league games. So yeah, the Syracuse game is a disappointment in a lot on a lot of levels. But again, there are nineteen league games left. The league is not what the league has been. And Notre Dame's schedule could break in its favor again because they play Wake twice. They play North Carolina State twice. They get Boston College and Georgia Tech twice. Right there, there's a possibility of eight wins. And then they get North Carolina. And, and so then, then you start picking, you start finding ways to say, okay, if we they can get this one or they can get that one now, given what they've done, or in this case, not done in non-league play. For this team to feel good about its NCAA tournament chances, you're either going to have to win two road games at Duke or at Virginia. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's probably what it's going to end up coming down to when it's all said and done. Fill in the blank. The state of Notre Dame men's basketball right now is blank. Disheartening. (laughs) I'm going with disheartening because we've talked a lot about Notre Dame basketball and the defense. And, yeah, they could be better defensively. But I think what concerns Mike Bray more at this point as we sit here in mid-December is what can they do better and how can they be better offensively? Like, defensively, they they, they weren't going to be a lock-you-down lock team. But to only get 61 points against Syracuse, to only get 64 against Marquette. Now, Marquette had a lot to do with it with the physicality that they brought. But this team, this team is better than what they've shown offensively as far as you, you, and you mentioned it earlier, Sean. Sharing the ball, moving it, not letting it stick, figuring out how to score. If this team's going to get, if this team's going to struggle to get into the 70s, they're not going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And it's something where the three games that they've lost, Syracuse, St. Bonaventure, Marquette, they've all kind of followed the same template where, Teams have gotten up into them defensively, pushed them further and further and further away from the basket, and they haven't had a counter. And you figure with all those fifth-year guys, with J.J. Starling as talented a freshman as he is, with Mike Bray being this offensive-minded coach, you got to have a counter. And and, and if they can't figure that out, no, they're not going to win nine-and-a-half league games, and they're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's – to me, it's it it looks stagnant just based on all the things that you just talked about. And what I can't figure out is, as much as for these twenty three years, we always hear about you know Mike Bray and wanting old guys and guys playing old and playing together and all this stuff. Like you've got what three three guys who have been together now with the transfers. I'm trying to remember exactly when Cormac Ryan and Trey Words both came in, but you've got Lashevsky and Goodwin, and then you've got, you know, who've been together for five years, and then you've got those other. Is this the third year for each of those guys now? Does that sound right? Third year for Trey Wirtz and for Cormac Ryan. 
Okay, yeah. So, I mean, those guys have all been together for at least three years now, and it's like, why why the issues with the offense? Just, and just, just what you were talking about, between the experience that they have and then the experience that Bray has as the offensive mind, I just don't understand why it looks le- the way it does. Like, why why do you look so confused against a, a, a zone defense against Syracuse that you see every year because it's Syracuse? You, you see know? it. You see it every year. You talk about not getting spooked by the two three. Nate Lashevsky. I don't care what Syracuse does defensively. They're a. They're not that good defensively. For Nate Lashevsky, the leading scorer at that point on the team and the third leading scorer in the ACC when they played Syracuse, you can't be Nate Lashevsky and have two points. You just you just can't. You're a fifth year guy. You're not a freshman. You're not a guy that's like 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 oh what this, well, how do I figure out this two three? Yeah, you've been around enough. You've been around the college basketball block enough to figure it out. Okay, if they're taking this away, I'm going to go do this and this. But Nate Lashevsky can't score two points. Dane Goodwin can't look like just an absolute rumor against Marquette. And when those things, when those things happen, that's why you're going to lose to Bonaventure and Syracuse and Marquette. And then, and then people say, well, Mike Bray needs to do this. Mike Bray needs to do that. Here's what Mike Bray does, Sean. He puts 900% absolute trust in Nate Lashevsky, Dane Goodwin, Cormac Ryan, and Trey Works, and says, you're old guys. You're smart enough to know. How to, if something happens or something's not happening to figure it out and get us into something, yeah. play 40 minutes a game. You're smart enough to know these things. When he, when, when he, when that trust is not reciprocated, what are you going to do? You're going to go to Tony Sanders or, or Matt Zona or Dom Campbell. Like these, these, this is how this program has been built to where these guys have to deliver every single night that core six. Now it's a core seven with Marcus Hammond back yeah. that core seven has to deliver every single night. And if one or two guys are off, you've got no other answers. I agree. And it's, it's going to get really interesting really soon with conference play getting ready to start. And we didn't even talk about the fact that the day of the Gator bowl, you know, you <laughs> could, you, you know, that that's where I thought you were going. I think at, at one point they, they play at the same time, as the Gator Bowl, did the ACC ever really give a reason why they wouldn't either move the time or or change the date? You know, play it the day after the Gator Bowl. Yeah, yeah, Miami because game. the 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 unwritten rule is Notre Dame is not a full member of the ACC. Here are two issues that Notre Dame men's basketball runs into in the ACC. All right, way back when I think it was it was maybe June where I sat down with Mike Bray for like an hour and a half and just sat there and talked over stuff. And we hit on everything. And one, one of the aspects he hit on was scheduling. And he said, this is what we're going to do in December. We're going to go to Atlanta right after exams, instead of playing in the crossroads classic, which thank God they did away with this year. Instead of playing in the crossroads classic in Indy, we're going to go to Georgia. We're going to go to Atlanta and play at state farm arena where the Atlanta Hawks play. We're going to play a non-conference game against the Georgia Bulldogs, which will look good on our on our NCAA resume because it's an SEC team. So we're going to play Georgia on a Sunday, and we're going to carry it over and just stay in Midtown and play Georgia Tech on that Wednesday because the way the schedule works out, you have to play three ACC games in December. That, that was going to be their Georgia Tech game. 
they had it all worked out with the league and said, we want to do this if you can help us do this. And the league green-lighted it and said, we'll do that. When the schedule comes out, Notre Dame looks at the schedule and says, we're going to Georgia, we're going to Atlanta on Sunday to play Georgia, and then you're going to send us to Tallahassee on Wednesday? <laughs> and they said, what What? What happened to Georgia Tech? And they said, well, we, we couldn't do it like this. And they gave it, gave it a, a laundry list of excuses and said, but we do keep we did keep you on the road and keep you in the southeast. So at least you can go right from Atlanta to Georgia to, to Florida State. Notre Dame didn't want to do that. Wow. And, and so there that's the schedule they were handed. Fast forward to the Georgia Tech for the longest time when the schedule was made, Miami was un, it wasn't was a TBD. It was going to be either December 30th or December 31st playing a home game against Miami. I don't know why somebody in the ACC looked at looked at that schedule and then looked at the bowl schedule because the Gator Bowl is an ACC tie-in. So there was yeah. going to be an ACC team in there, whether right. it was it could have been Notre Dame. If Miami had a better season, maybe Miami was – Somebody in, in the ACC was going to play that day. A football that game. was going to be an ACC team. They yeah. looked at the Gator Bowl and said, wait, the Gator Bowl starts at 3.30 on December 30th. Let's make that TBD Notre Dame men's basketball game on December 30th, <laughs> which was still okay. Notre Dame's once the bowl once the bowls came out, Notre Dame went to the league and said, "Look, we're playing the same day as our football program is playing in the Gator Bowl. Is there any way we could play this?" And the ACC came to them and said, "You have two options for TV because again, as we know." TV dictates TV runs everything. Yep. TV dictates everything. When TV says, like TV says, jump programs say, how high you want me to jump? And when do you want me to jump? And where do you want me to jump? So they said, based on our television package, you have, we have two options. We have a noon game and a 2 PM game on December 30th. Notre Dame said, look, if at all possible, can you please put us at the noon start? because we have this football game with our program at 3.30. And the ACC took everything into, into consideration and said, you know what, I think it would be best if you played at 2 o'clock. <laughs> We've got North Carolina and Pittsburgh in the noon window, and we don't want to move that noon window to 2. Yeah, of course. So it's, 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 the, it's the price of doing business in the ACC. Yep. The ACC has been great, a great partner for the, for the university for their allowing them to park their athletic programs when the big East fell apart. But it's at times like this, and it's in situations like this where you're Mike Bray and you're the Notre Dame men's basketball program. You've got no choice, but to just say, thank you very much. We'll play the two o'clock game. Yeah. Even though there may be 2000 people in the stands. Thank you, sir. May I have another. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> All right, Mike Leach this week has been universally praised for his quirky personality since he passed away this week. My my question for you as a guy who's been at the Tribune for as long as you have, you've been around, you you know, you you worked, interacted with a lot of coaches. Any any personalities that have stood out most to you over those years? Too many to mention, but two that come to mind have nothing to do directly with Notre Dame men's basketball. 
there was a there was a college basketball coach years ago, play, coached at Miami of Ohio by the name of Charlie Coles. Great guy. You talk to Charlie Coles, it was like talking to Mike Leach, where you wanted to get Charlie Coles on the telephone. You'd get him on the phone and say, Coach, I just need 10 minutes. You might talk to him for 30 minutes and talk to him about nothing that had to do with men's basketball. So Charlie Coles was a great guy. Every time I hung up the phone with Charlie Coles, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm glad I talked to him. That was from a basketball standpoint. Way back when at the Tribune, I started as the Notre Dame hockey writer covering Notre Dame hockey as it transitioned back to the CCHA. My paths as the Notre Dame men's, uh, as the Notre Dame hockey beat writer at the Tribune, my path crossed with Jerry York, who before he became a college hockey Hall of Fame head coach at Boston College, was the head coach in the CCHA. And every time Jerry York came to town, I think he coached at Bowling Green. Every time he coached at Bowling Green and Bowling Green came to town, I would talk to Jerry York after a game. And he was a big Notre Dame football fan. So we would talk <laughs> hockey. Hey, talk about the power play or talk about the penalty kill. And I'd get my stuff out of the way. And after Jerry York was done talking hockey, he'd always steer the conversation back to football and say, what do you think about that quarterback? Or what do you think <laughs> about that running back? And we would sit there and talk Notre Dame football. And here's here's a guy who wound up winning national championships, hockey Hall of Fame coach, but we would always talk Notre Dame football. So Jerry York and Charlie Coles, two guys that had personalities like Mike Leach. I'll throw another guy in there from a basketball standpoint. I know he's not liked very well, but every conversation that I had, either face-to-face or on the phone with Rick Patino, I thoroughly enjoyed. I bet. Now that that had to be interesting talking yep. to Rick Pitino. He was good. Good stuff. You know, a personality like Mike Leach, I don't think I've ever met anyone like that, but you know, probably just the best personality I've got to work with is Paul Maneri, you know, when he was here <laughs> with Notre Dame baseball because he's just such an outgoing guy and again, you know, like it wasn't just about baseball but you know, it, it always came back to family, you know, how's your family doing, you know, all that different kind of stuff. And a guy that I still stay in touch with today, yeah, you know, that's, that's probably the club. And even his dad, Doc Maneri was, was a great guy as well. Like, that's a guy that you could just like, you could, you could throw out, you know, like Yogi Berra, who he wasn't particularly a big fan of. And you could just go down a rabbit hole talking about Yogi Berra or Bucky Dent or whoever. And like 40 happened. minutes later, you guys are still talking. That's exactly right. That's yep. exactly right. All right, last question tonight, Tom. We're just a little bit more than a week away from Christmas. So if you could only <laughs> listen to one Christmas song for the rest of your life, what would that song be? I'm telling you, if you dug through the WSBT Sports Beat archives, we've <laughs> talked about this on the air. I'm sure we have. I'm sure we have. <laughs> <laughs> so there's still two. There's still, still two at the top of my list. Anytime Little Drummer Boy comes on, the radio i'm never turning that channel so little drummer boy is number one number two a close second would have to be the live version of merry christmas baby with bruce springsteen that's a good Those one too favorite. yep mine is the other springsteen song that you hear more often probably on that they don't play the 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 merry christmas baby enough on the radio that but they don't Santa Claus is coming to town, which is still my daughter's favorite. It's like the only version of Santa Claus is coming to town. You know, she's, she, you know, she's 
she uh, she knows it like word for word about hey Clarence, you know, are you getting yeah. your saxophone ready and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, so. Hey, Santa gonna bring you a new saxophone, Clarence? That's right. Is yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly right. Is he gonna bring you a new saxophone? That's it. That's that's the one for me. Little Drummer Boy is another good one too, though. And I I I haven't uh, haven't heard quite as much Christmas music this year for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. You know why. Like, like I said, it's been almost three years since we did a show together. So I had yeah. forgotten what what your answers to that were, what your answer to that question was. So there it is. Done. All right. Good stuff, Tom. I appreciate you coming on tonight. It's it's good seeing you. We only usually see each other when we're coming in and out of a press conference or something. Mondays, like and yeah, we didn't. I didn't see you much on Tuesdays for player access. So yep, I was I was sitting right here. I got over there a little bit early on, but this is where I was on most Tuesdays doing most doing Tuesdays. the old, doing the live show. Well, you know, Monday through Thursday. So. Appreciate it, Tom. Appreciate everyone for uh, stopping in tonight as well. Appreciate it, D Rock. Uh, got a lot of uh, got a lot of basketball talk. Much more basketball talk than we've had in the past. Hit the like button if you would on your way out. We always appreciate it. It helps out the Irish Breakdown channel. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms as. Well, we'll be back tomorrow, Vince and Jesse and I. We've got the special Friday edition of Rapid Fire that will be at 5 o'clock live tomorrow. So we'll be here for that. Tom, I will talk to you again soon. Merry Christmas, my man. Take care. You too. Thanks. We'll see you guys.